0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Down to the Wire podcast, first episode of 2021, episode 9, 9 episodes in. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, if you've been here before, it's great to have you back listening, if you're new, thanks for listening for the first time, um, and we hope you enjoy. How are you doing Jack?
1: I am great, yeah I was going to say Chiefs win again but they didn't, but I don't care <laughs> because they got, got the number one seat, yeah it's just... Yeah. I'm
0: happy with it. <laughs> there we are. Um, right, we slight well. I say slightly different. It's not really that different. We're going to be talking about um, some of our hopes for sport um, this year. Obviously, it's a new year. Got a couple of exciting things coming up sports-wise this year. Yeah, um, Olympics to... and a Euros. Oh yeah. Gosh, I forgot about the Olympics. Oh, and the Euros as well. Um, oh, it's going to be a bumper this is summer, the first isn't it? Stuff, isn't it this year? Wow. I mean, this is assuming that everything goes ahead as planned, which in the current time is not a given, but hopefully we, we can cross our fingers. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about some of our our predictions for the year as well, perhaps some of them a bit more uh, radical than others, and perhaps maybe not so much predictions, but things that we think are going to shock. <laughs> so, so we'll see how that goes, and then obviously we'll do our usual weekly roundup of all of the sporting goodness that's happened in the past week. Um, Sounds good ready to crack on? I am. Good stuff, right. Um, so we'll start off then, hopes for the year in terms of sport, like we just said. Lots of interesting things coming up this year. Um, so we've kind of, like, we've both got a couple of things each that we're probably um, looking forward to. Um, yeah, shall I shall I go first with the first one? We'll kind of alternate back and forth, right? Sounds good. Okay, um, right, I'll go first then. Um, Lions Tour. Um now we we've talked about rugby a little bit on this podcast, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know about you, Jack, but I absolutely love the Lions tour. Um, I don't know, it's something just very unique about it. You don't really see it. Um, I tell you, don't what, see it a massive. Oh, I prob-
1: I probably would like it if it wasn't so early in the morning, because <laughs> I don't think I've <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched a game of it purely. I don't mind watching the Six Nations, but the Lions
0: <laughs> tour, it's like oh, okay, that's interesting. People getting picked, you know, mm. and all that. but. Well, perhaps, too perhaps really this, you could, this could this could, be the year, Jack, where you get invested in the Lions store. I mean, I guess the first hope, I should say, is that it goes ahead. Um, you know, as in, I'm pretty sure South Africa haven't competed in the uh, the rugby championship this year, which is like the Southern Hemisphere equi- uh, equivalent of the Six Nations um, because of COVID. I believe they were discussing it this week. Um, well, as to so where knows, it will be
1: or whether it will be in
0: South well, I'd imagine as to whether it'll, oh, I don't know, actually. I mean, because they, they normally run on a, every four years they do a Lions tour, for those who don't know. Um, and it runs on a rotation of South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. And it goes in that cycle every third tour, it comes back around. Um, so will the Lions will be in South Africa this time, um, having drawn with New Zealand last series, which is a bit of a unique one, um, and then one in Australia the time before that. Um, wouldn't it be quite cool
1: though if they went back to New Zealand almost like if they in quotation marks uh, unfinished business tour because they left on a draw (laughs) and nobody was really happy with that and they were like let's have extra time Um, so it would be so cool if they said you know what Sfafka can't deal with Covid let's go over to New Zealand and finish this business that we started.
0: I mean, it's where the, it's where the New Zealand's let us in, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, that might But be no, in, I don't know. The thing with the Lions is there's a lot of history. So I think, I don't know, I think if they didn't go to South Africa, I, I just don't think they would do it this year, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting year, particularly because as well, um, so a lot of the English players, I haven't put this in the notes, but it's just popped into my head. A lot of the English players play for Saracens. Now, if you don't follow... Premiership Premiership Rugby. Saracens got docked a load of points last season because basically they uh, did some dodgy stuff with um, paying of players. Um, and as a result, they got relegated. Um, so just two examples of players who played for Saracens. You've got um, Owen Farrell, um, Maro Toje. Um, I'm pretty sure Jamie George plays for Saracens as well. Any of made the that. Punipolis? Uh, yes, I believe... Potentially both of them, actually. Mm. I'm sure Billy does. Yes, yeah, so you've got some, you know, you've got some fairly big English players. Uh, they're um, my
1: steak boys, they are.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, the Vunipola's are. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, you've got, you know, a potential, arguably like a potential captain in Owen Farrell, um, who I don't know what's going to be happening with him. I don't know what's happening with him rugby-wise. Perhaps I should have looked this up before starting the podcast. Well, would would um, Warren
1: Gatland genuinely pick an Englishman to be the captain, even though he is basically bread and butter Welsh at the moment?
0: Well, he's no longer Welsh coach, is he? I mean, no, but you know, I just thing, thought he'd stick around that's and win. The so- I don't know. I, th- I think that's the sort of thing that Warren Gatland wouldn't really shy away from. I think if he genuinely thought that somebody else could do a better job than a Welshman, I think he'd go for it. As in, it wasn't that. I think it was the last tour, actually, that people kicked off because I think Scotland... Did they finish above Wales? It was something like that. Scotland either finished above Wales or did as well as Wales in the Six Nations, roughly. And Scotland had, like, two players on the tour compared to, like, Wales, who had, like, well, a, a lot more than two. Um, I don't think
1: we'll be having as many as we'd have in the past.
0: No, probably um. not. I don't think Wales would be quite as well represented as they have done in previous years. But still, I, I can get invested in the Lions tour. So, yeah, that's that's one hope for the year, is that that goes ahead and that it's a good championship and that the Lions win. Okay. Um, because, cause, you know, it only comes around every four years. And more than anything, I think it would be a shame if it didn't go ahead. Because, you know, like... Well, I guess it's like any sport, isn't it? But um, rugby, you know, it's players are only at the peak of their powers. for so. As in, this could potentially be, for example, Alan Wynne-Jones' last tour um, at his age. Um, that's assuming he gets picked, not necessarily a given. It's usually done um, very much on form. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, that's the first thing I'm looking forward to in the coming year. Um so why don't you go ahead and give one of the things that you're looking forward to? Okay, well, after last year's very
1: boring Premier League season from, I think, anyone who wasn't a Liverpool fan, uh, a <laughs> very boring season, yeah. um, it Sometimes. would be quite nice to see a Premier League title race go down to the final weekend, or at least into the final month. I'd be grateful yeah. for that, because, I mean, <laughs> I know Liverpool and City went down to the why was it two years ago when City picked yes. them by like a point or two but mm. to be fair I think everyone already kind of knew what the result was at that stage purely because mm. City had such easy fixtures to finish it off and I think Liverpool did as well so it was just mm. more a case of will they slip up and it, there was no tension to it so we haven't really had a, a mm. great dramatic final day or final run in for quite a while so I, I would quite like the Premier League title race not to be over and done with... Uh, well, we've made it to Christmas, at least. I mean, that's a blessing. I mean, they never pull her <laughs> up by about 15 at this stage. Um, that's yeah, true, I think so. they
0: were, yeah. I mean, do you know what? It's, it's funny as well, because I was thinking about this, you know, when we were doing the notes in, and we've said this m- so, like, pr- probably pretty much every episode that we've done of this podcast, that the Premier League this year has been so... Um, Entertaining. Top- well, it's been topsy-turvy, isn't it? It's been, yeah. you know, like one team will win and then they lose the next week and then they're... A- Closest rival wins, and you know Everton were going to win the league in September. Chelsea were (laughs) going to win it in Liverpool. Were going to win it, and then United are going to win it. And you know who knows. But never um, change. It might be United too. Oh, perhaps (laughs) I I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have egged you on. Um, But no, as in it's um, perhaps it's because for the past few years, and like I know you said about um, Liverpool and City, but as in those two kind of went off into the distance. And everyone else was just kind of left lagging behind. So we haven't really had a proper... Well, if anything, it doesn't even have to
1: be, you know, two or three teams going at it, you know, later into the season. You just you just don't want any teams to be so dominant that they are so far ahead that... You know what I mean? it's it, You know, sometimes you get leagues which are relatively tight, but everybody knows who the best team is. Whilst this mm. year, I mean... Well, who knows what's going to happen in that Liverpool United game, which is either mm. next week or the week after. But mm. you know, hopefully United win purely because I think everyone feels a lot closer to United than Liverpool. And if United could beat Liverpool, that kind of just means everyone's nice and tight. Everyone could well, be everyone. Yeah, it's, if, it's I a think if you, if, you,
0: if United beat Liverpool, I think it opens it up mm-hmm. a little bit. Whereas I think if if Liverpool beat United, I think it's a case of United playing catch up a little bit, not majorly, but you know. Um, so yeah, no. I, I unless unless Liverpool romp to vi- victory from my perspective, or from your perspective, unless United romp to victory. Um, that's a close Premier doing. League title race. You can't argue with that, really, can you?
1: No, I mean, I mean, I'm sure everyone hopes for that every year, if That's unique to this year, but
0: uh, no, after no, no. last
1: year's absolute runaway route. By the well, I mean, Liverpool, I'm not be nice to have it this year, but I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair <laughs> enough. In well, in a similar vein, then my hope for 2021, and I, I sure, I, I'd like to think that you'd probably agree with me on this: is uh, an F1 season that goes to the last race because, as yeah. much as or, I, as I,
1: oh, even if it even if it doesn't go to the last race, at least to have some competitive races. Like I'm all for Mercedes winning if they've got the best car, but my goodness, it would be nice to see somebody else just win a race that isn't Mercedes. Yeah. I know mean, the yeah, yeah. odd, you know, the odd result for different teams, but. Mercedes yeah, were just far and away flying ahead of everyone, so it would it would just be nice to see, even if it's just individual races, because even they lacked a little bit of drama at the front end for most of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Is in? Don't get me wrong. I love Lewis Hamilton. I think he's great. I've said that before, but I I, I think back to in the day, like you know, we're like, oh, Lewis Hamilton has to finish. Um, sixth in order to win the world championship or oh jensen button has to finish here or you have to hope that you know if this person finishes outside the top three and it's it's just so exciting Mm. and we haven't had it for years we haven't had it
1: what we want is people to be crashing into each other on purpose just to stop them from getting (laughs) points bring back the days of old
0: (laughs) Uh, i mean unfortunately i think that's the only way you stop mercedes um perhaps perhaps this is a bit more wishful thinking than uh than than I hope to be honest because uh, like I, I've said previously I pr- I'm pretty sure Mercedes are probably going to walk it but even the constructors even if the constructors was competitive until the last race you you know j- j- just something is in like Lewis Hamilton wins the seventh one and then the race after Mercedes win the constructors and you're kind of there like should we should we bother doing the rest or because this is only going one way yeah it's um, only decided beforehand almost yeah yeah um, uh, yeah I don't know. hopefully,
1: we'll see my second hope for the year was uh, what I kind of wanted was Lewandowski to win the Ballon d'Or because Mm -hmm. he has won absolutely everything he can and I don't think there was a shadow of a doubt he was going to win the Ballon d'Or this year that's footballer's best player award and Mm. they decided to cancel the ceremony but not just that they were not going to award anyone the award this year which seems a bit broken I mean, even leagues that yeah. finished halfway through the year awarded the... You know, like Ajax still won the Eredivisie, even though they didn't finish the season. I think everybody yeah. knew Lewandowski was going to win it, so why can't they just award it to him? But yeah, I, I quite like him to win it for 2021, just because I think he's such a good player, and it finally all worked out for him for this year, and he still hasn't mm. won it because... Uh, FIFA's a little bit corrupt and they don't like anybody other than Ronaldo or Messi uh, winning an award.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't see the whole, uh, you know, oh, we're not doing it this year. It's a, I don't really get why
1: you know, I mean, if it stopped at I like think, March, but the only, the only thing I can think is that they went well, it's unfair because some players were only players sitting them out of a season and all that. But I was, I think that's just rubbish because I don't think anyone in their right mind thought a player from the Eredivisie was going to win it. Um, and if no. it was going to be a player from the French League, I mean, to be honest, I don't think anybody's going to award a Ballon d'Or to a team for or to a player for uh, doing particularly well in the French League. I think it, it primarily depends on your Champions League form. And mm. Lewandowski is far and away dominating everybody in that as well. So,
0: And the thing is, is like how far do you go with that? Because you could have a player who's head and shoulders above everyone else until, say, February, and then they get a season-ending an injury. You don't go, oh, well, we can't. Yeah. You can't award it because he didn't have the chance to play the rest of the season. Exactly. Um you, you play what you well, you, you rate them on what they've done. And yeah.
1: you know, it is what it is. It's a cruel sport, but without a doubt, Lewandowski was the best player this year. Without a doubt he would have gonna won the Ballon d'Or so I think he should win it next year.
0: That's fair enough. I can't argue with that. Hmm. He, he was um he was he, well, saying that, I was about to say he was a different level last season, but he always is. Yeah. As in but like, far away, Liverpool... there
1: isn't a better number nine.
0: No, as in, like, w- without wanting to sound arrogant from a Liverpool fan perspective, there aren't many players that I look at and think, yeah, that player will improve us this season. But, like, Lewandowski's one of those players I look at and I'd be like, yes, 100%. Definitely, <laughs> I'd, I'd have Lewandowski in a yeah. heartbeat. Him and Bappe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if uh, so, yeah, Liverpool, uh, your tr- the transfer team, if you're listening, yeah. you know, I think... Uh, think Robert Lewandowski would be a shrewd investment. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't feel begrudged if he signed for United.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, right, the last one. I guess we're going back to the F1 a little bit, but um, this is kind of a joint one. And to be honest with you, you came up with it, and I was like, yeah, do you know what? I, I would 100% agree with that. And I guess it's kind of linked into what um, I said about the season going to the last race. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Ferrari being a bit more competitive. Yeah, um, well, the
1: thing is, it's almost, Ferrari being more competitive, Red Bull not digressing too much now, they haven't got the, um, what engine did they, uh, the Honda engine, mm. and McLaren and Renault stayed on the same trajectory, and also mm. being competitive, because obviously you see some, I mean, Renault of two years ago looked like they were going to contend for second uh, last year or the year before, and then they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so obviously the trajectory can go a little bit off, a little bit askew after you already look like you're going to do well. But mm. it, like, like in a sense, you, you see the two Mercs that always drive off, and if they're going to drive off, you at least want to battle for the podium spots, but you see Verstappen drive off as well. So it would just mm. be nice to see at least one driver from Ferrari, at least one driver from Red Bull, at least one driver from the McLaren, at least one driver for the Renault, genuinely yeah. being competitive with each other. If anything, mm. you kind of want the McLaren to be the better of the cars, because... Well, saying that now, they've got Ricardo now, so maybe you want the Renault to be the better Look of the Got Daniel Rick. Because they've probably got the worst drivers out of that bunch.
0: Have they? They've got Fernando Alonso? Yeah, but
1: we don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, was mm. it all him when he was in the McLaren before? or Was it all the car? You know, it's touch and go as to what that was. But, in a sense, you just want... Whoever's in the best car... To mm. not be the best driver, and whoever's in the worst of those cars to be the best driver. Just so you have four teams, and then you know that could be eight potential drivers all battling it out each week. Because it it is getting a little bit mundane seeing three guys drive off. Because there's less drama driving for four. Well,
0: the thing is as well, it's not the fact that they drive off; it's that they drive off, and you're just like, well. Hamilton or Bottas will win, and then Verstappen all coming third or possibly second if the person who's behind in the Mercedes car drops off a bit. It's Bottas, just, it's just yeah, yeah, pretty much. If is Bottas it, 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 slips it, up, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, um, I I agree with you. It would be nice to have, um, um yeah, it, it would just be nice to have a competitive season. Mm. Um, that's that's what we hope for. Um, that, is,
1: that is what we are hoping for.
0: Hope, hope is being hope is a key word there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't know if it'll happen. <laughs> but I saying, doubt sorry? It. I don't know if it'll happen, and I highly doubt no. it in some of those.
0: But we can hope. Um, there we are. Right. Bold predictions for the year then. So we've got one each for the NFL, the Premier League, and the F1, because that's generally what we talk about most. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to do your three first, and then I'll do my three? Sure. Um, my it. NFL one. Was mm-hmm. that an n
1: f c team this is my bold prediction an n f c east team will have a winning record next year wow. and I know what you're thinking gosh, doesn't every division have at least one winning team? No
0: you <laughs> know <laughs> the do washington
1: not. football team won the n f c east this year with a seven and nine record so close to being eight and eight, but they weren't mm. they were seven and nine um <laughs> so am i? My bold prediction for the NFL is that an NFC East team will actually win more games than they lose by some mm. miracle. Um, because, I mean, you guarantee if, if you're a good team in the NFC East, you've already got six wins because you're going to beat the other three teams twice. It's the same thing the mm. Chiefs have every year. Obviously, they didn't this year. I mean, they lost to the Raiders and they lost an inconsequential game at the end where they rest all their players yeah. to the Chargers, but... You know, up to that point, they were dominating the rest of the AFC West. So it would just be good. Well, the AFC East team already has six wins if they're a good team, and then you've only got to win three out of your remaining ten games. So it's not a big, (laughs) it's not a big bold prediction, but uh, (laughs) it would be good. Oh, it could happen. It should happen. Okay. Uh, Do you want to do your NFL one next, or should I move on to next sport?
0: Yeah, just do all your three and I'll, okay. I'll do all of my three. Um, for, the, for the for
1: the football, uh, I've got that no London team is going to finish in the top four. Um, so that's
0: excluding Spurs, Chelsea... And Fulham
1: as realistic candidates. And Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, I said realistic candidates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, realistic Yeah, I, I just... You get this vibe now that Chelsea suck, um, so they're not going to do very well. Uh, it seems like the Manchester teams and Liverpool are definitely going to make it in, and mm. then that last spot it could go anywhere. But if well, it's not going to be Arsenal. Chelsea don't look like they're going to get there. Spurs is the only ever realistic opportunity, and you just can't rely on on just Kane and Son for an entire season. At some no. point, it's not going to work. Um, mm. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see if somebody else pips them to the fourth place yep. spot, or you know, just to the top four in general. Um, and my final one is for the Formula One, and it is that uh, Charles Leclerc will finish higher than Max Verstappen uh, for the Formula One 2021 season.
0: That is indeed a bold statement. It is, but
1: I think... Wow. Well, as much as teams may be focusing on 2022 with new regulations for the F1, mm. it, I... I can't help but think Ferrari won't just settle for more of the same. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do improve their performances a little bit. But also, I do think that that Red Bull car could end up suffering because they don't have the same... I mean, I heard rumours that they were going to make their own engine at one stage. I don't know if that's for this year or for Mm. the new regulations. Um, So, yeah, my bold prediction is that, I mean, Leclerc was fantastic last year in a very, very mediocre car, so if he could be fantastic this year, and the car just improves that little touch, who knows, he could finish the season with more points than Max Verstappen.
0: There we are. Bold claim. Right, I'm going to make my bold claim now, and this one is uh, probably even bolder than what you just said. Um, My bold claim is that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl.
1: I think that is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a chance that anyone but the Chiefs are winning it this year. We're running wow. it back.
0: <laughs> I mean, I did. We did say it's a bold prediction.
1: It is a bold. Who knows? Prediction, the bill, the Bills.
0: The, the Bills have been playing all right. The bills to be fair, right.
1: they're probably the second best team in the AFC at the moment. Yeah. Well, they are. They got the. They actually got the two seed. Um, but yeah. They, they are looking like <laughs> the second to, best team. The
0: two seed is the second best mm. team.
1: Uh, no, cray cray. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So that's my bold prediction for the NFL. They've been playing quite well. So uh, I don't know. I feel like they've got a bit of the underdog about them, and I mm-hmm. always like that. Um, Premier League. Actually, no. I'll do my Formula One one first because I feel like that one's slightly less. Well, and maybe not actually. My next bold prediction is that Sergio Perez is going to finish second in the drivers' championship. See that?
1: That's a tough one, because firstly, I mean, I'm living on the assumption there that you still think Hamilton's going to win it. Mm-hmm. So that
0: is indeed, there's a reason why I said second, yeah, it? because I feel like the first is a foregone conclusion the way things are at the moment. So two things
1: have to happen here.
0: He has to be <laughs> Excuse me. better
1: than Max Verstappen in Max Verstappen's own car, basically. Yep. And then he's also got to beat Bottas on average. And to be fair, mm-hmm. Verstappen was very close to beating him this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And who knows what will happen if a third, t uh, third driver joins the, you know, the fun at the top? Because I mean more often than not, Hamilton's going to win the race. And then it, it yeah. kind of does come down to a little bit of a fight between Bottas and Verstappen. Yeah. And I don't know if the presence of a third good driver does anything to unstate... Because, in a sense, what will happen is you will take points from both Bottas and Verstappen because, you know, you'll assume that he's going to finish above one or two of them on some weekends. You know what I mean? So, in a sense, it it, uh, it flattens... no it makes it more erratic in a sense like because if you were to put Bottas and Verstappen head to head every week you'd assume Bottas comes out on top on more scenarios than Verstappen because he's got the better car but Mm. if you add a third driver in that takes away some of the points from each and then in a sense rather than saying you've got you know you're going to be second or third over 10 races it's going to be, you now second, third or fourth over 10 races. You know, it just creates that extra variable where Bottas has to beat both of them on more occasions. And I, I don't know if he can do that. I, I don't know if he can flatten mm. or smoothen that curve of uh, erraticism where he's... Because in a sense, when you've got that third mm. driver, it just makes things a little bit more hectic. And it means he could potentially well, slump off a lot more in some, and really get punished. But he could also yeah. do particularly well, well if Perez starts to beat Verstappen and not beat him. Well, this is we the happen.
0: thing, isn't it? I think it. This is basically what we said in the past, isn't it? Isn't it? That's why Red Bull needed, whether that was Albon or whether it was Perez, they needed another driver up there competing consistently because it just gives you more of a chance. You're right. I feel like, in hindsight, that's, <laughs> that's a bit. bit it's the fact that you said, it's not just the fact that he's got to beat Bottas, but he's got to do it consistently over the course of a season and on mm-hmm. average finish ahead of Bottas more than, than uh, Bottas finishes ahead of him. But
1: I think but, and, and in terms, terms fair, of quality,
0: I don't think that's unrealistic. I think it's just the car wouldn't we, allow yeah. that to happen. He has
1: to, he has to beat Verstappen first and foremost. And, yeah. and in a sense, Verstappen was competing on tracks which favoured the Merc for most of the season. Next year is going to be a different story. They've got more of those tracks which the Red Bull should or uh, historically is better at
2: Yeah.
1: when you have Mm -hmm. the Monaco tracks and some of those. Um, Mm. So so in a sense, he'll have more... You know what I mean? Bottas only just beat Verstappen on tracks which favoured him. So next year, you'd assume if they're less in favour, it should be tighter and possibly even Verstappen should be better. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one as to whether he can... You can do both, and the car is still genuinely quicker. Because, I mean, mm. our, our two predictions for the F1 kind of work in the opposite flows, where you're assuming that, well, firstly, that Perez beats Verstappen, but then that the Red Bull car will be quick enough to also beat Bottas. Whilst I'm yeah. going the opposite, saying that, well, firstly, I'm going to think that, I, I don't know if, I probably say Verstappen's probably going to beat Perez in my eyes, but mm. I'm then saying that the Red Bull's going to go downhill and they're actually going to end up losing to a Ferrari of all cars. Um, So, yeah, interesting.
0: Oofed. There we are. Um, So that's my F1 bold prediction, and my Premier League bold prediction. Now, this is probably the boldest. Um, But I'd quite like to see it happen. I don't know why. Um, And that is for Aston Villa to finish in the top four. Um, Because I would argue that Jack Reelish is arguably, arguably, arguably... I still can't say it. Debatably, <laughs> being no, really. one of the... Uh, sorry? You had it right the whole time, I think. Oh, yeah, I know. I just, I just couldn't say it. I kept getting tripping over my tongue. tongue um, arguably being one of the um, the best players in the Premier League this season, I would say, Jack Rielich. Um mm. Just always, 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 always looks very dangerous. Um, I don't know. Like It's one of those ones where it's like... To be fair, they're like we're, that we're
1: in, lingering taste, which they, no one can get rid of. They this draw the thing, in against in, Chelsea. They, I mean, to be they lost to United, but that was only just, and it's like yeah. They, and you could argue uh, they were unlucky to have yeah. It pen, isn't it? Touch and go. Soft, yeah. It was soft, but they happened. Um, but. <laughs> they, they're just... They will not... No one seems to be able to kick well, them away. And eventually... Is this is the thing we're
0: in January now. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, I was speaking to you about this the other day with United and Liverpool being at the top at the moment. It's like, I don't for a moment think that United are a better team than Liverpool this season because Liverpool are the favourites. They won it last mm. year, dominantly. They probably have the better squad despite having these uh, defensive woes.
0: Injuries, yeah. Are- but...
1: In a sense, if you asked me to go up against Novak Djokovic in a game of tennis and they gave me the option of five playing him over five sets or playing him over one game, I'd take him over the one game because the one game's, you know, it's got more randomness. The less games that are remaining, mm. the more random the results. The more games that are remaining, the easier it is mm. for the big boys to push away from those smaller teams. So if mm. no one can kick Villa away sooner rather than later... Wouldn't be surprised. Wait, I mean, I would be surprised if they got top four, but don't be surprised to see if they, you know, within you a few wrap? points of them. But yeah, yeah, because in a sense, you only have to finish um, seventh, seventh at the moment. It? Yeah. To get there. That's if assuming teams in the top four win all the other cup competitions. But mm. you know, a, a team like Villa, they, they on a points basis, I wouldn't be surprised to see them less than eight, mm. eight seven points
0: off the top four at least. We'll use a question then Most. on that. It's, just, it's a little bit of a debate, but we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Would Villa be better off finishing sort of eighth this season, avoid European football, and then push for top four next year?
1: No, I don't think so, because I don't, do think? Think, I don't think they've got the resources or the squad at the so moment to back themselves to, for to one do full it. season. Exactly, yeah. and they're already in a good enough spot at the moment. Just, just take and, the opportunity yeah. while you can, yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen next year. Wolves kind of had that last yeah. year. I wouldn't have said that yeah. they planned on finishing outside the European places, but they did. And they go into mm. the season, everyone's like, "Hey, they got a real chance of making football. Champions League football yeah. purely then, because bam. they haven't got as many games." You get one injury to Raul Jimenez. I mean, that could be Jack Relish, Ollie Watkins. You know, a player like yeah. Tyrone Mings, Emi Martinez, and all of a sudden, mm. they're not the same Aston Villa team, and they're all of a sudden. Oh, oh, wait, I'm not going to say Wolves are in a relegation scrap because they're not. But you know, a team like Villa. They haven't quite got the resources of uh, West uh, of the Wolves at the moment, and
0: well, you just have to look at Sheffield last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sheffield
0: oh. last year, where up until the um, the break for the pandemic, you know, you were looking at Sheffield, and you going like Sheffield could be in the Champions League next year, and then all of a sudden they dropped off towards the end of last season, and this season they rock bottom mm. with like. Some terrible records. Well, so, you know, you've got to take the opportunity while you can, I
1: guess. E- even Leicester City, they win the Premier League. And I don't think that year anyone ever said, Hey, do you guys want to ease off just so that yeah. you can you know what I mean? You go for it. You go for the juggler when you've got the opportunity because there's lots of money to be made finishing mm. in the top four. Perhaps, that's the sort of money you can in... reinvest.
0: I guess I'm thinking skeptically about the Europa League because mm-hmm. it can be. Uh,
1: yeah, that, that that's always a hindrance. No team well, wants to finish like, in I the Europa of... if you got a realistic chance of. Mm. Like you know what I mean? United, Spurs, Chelsea—they don't like finishing in the Europa because it compromises them for the year after. No one wants to play mm. Thursday football.
0: No. There we are. So th- those are our bold predictions for the uh, for the season. If you're listening on. Uh, on YouTube, perhaps uh, put a comment down below. What do you think? Do you think we're being absolutely ludicrous? Any I'd bold predictions of your own? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know I'm being a bit uh, bonkers in some of mine, but perhaps let us know your bold predictions. Or perhaps tell us whether you think we're being absolutely... Well, tell us if we're being bonkers. <laughs> um, right, we'll move on to the last week's uh, sport name. Um, highlights of the week? Should we kick off with that? Sounds good. Um, um Do you want to go first or should I go first? first? I'll go
1: first. Go for it. Mine's not as cool as yours, but um, (laughs) Peter Drury, the commentator, absolutely roasted Chelsea during that City game. He (laughs) was brutal. He was just teasing them the entire game and I loved every minute of it. Even at one stage, after a period of City dominance, Kurt Zuma got a clearance. Peter Drury said, Chelsea have had their first touch since about last Tuesday. That, that, <laughs> this is the sort of humiliation they were dealing with. So, yeah, I quite enjoyed listening to Peter Drury on the weekend. I,
0: I'm, sure, I'm sure he said something else as well, like uh, the lamp in Lampard has gone out. <laughs> <It's> just, like, <laughs> like just
1: quick Lampard. quips, which really yeah, put salt in the wound, which is very, very open at the moment at Chelsea.
0: Uh, there we are. Right, we'll come back to Chelsea. So, uh, Chelsea fans, prepare yourself we don't talk about Arsenal anymore we've got the we knuckle dusters now instead.
1: let's
0: go <laughs> oh I have done my highlight of the week no, um, no. my highlight of the week was also football it was Bundesliga football though I, I'm going to butcher this name now uh, Nadim Amiri looks I think good that's how you you um, in the uh, Frankfurt Leverkusen game my goodness it was like Dennis Bergkamp style but it was, he managed to it was filth. It, he nutmegged two people so the ball kind of got played to him on his right foot Spinning. and he got kind of on an, he an, spun, yeah, on an yeah.
1: outside trajectory. I don't know why, I don't know if that's the right terminology for it, but it was. It was. was he was spinning away from where the ball was going so and he, then he, brought it all like he, the way around, didn't he?
0: Yeah, and he brought it right the way around, but not only did he do that, he did it through the defender's legs and then proceeded to backheel the ball through the goalkeeper's legs to score. It's like, what? It was outrageous. <laughs>
1: it's one of those where if you were playing a game of FIFA... You're throwing a controller because you were like, "That is ridiculous. That sort of stuff doesn't happen that, in yeah, real yeah. life." And just like, well, it <laughs> yeah. does happen in real life." Because... Well, it does. It just happened. Well, you um, you Like
0: genuinely, <laughs> I I think that could quite easily be because right there. Really? Oh, honestly, is in that that to be it's, fair, it's yeah. not just. It's not just the. I mean, the finish alone is is pretty is in back backheel, not only to backheel it in score, but to backheel it and nutmeg the goalkeeper in score. But then he's also nutmegged the center off in the process. One of the most bonkers touches I think I've ever seen. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that, as, as you can tell, I was quite excited by that. So that was my highlight of the week. Nice. Um, right, football. Going to stick with Europe for a minute. Um, I guess one of the biggest bits of news is that Pochettino is the new boss of Paris Saint-Germain.
1: Yes, I, I mean, I mean this isn't in the notes, but we've mentioned it before in passing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm be honest, as a Man United fan, I'm quite happy because I do get a little bit fed up with the with the talk and the comments. But he, I understand Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looks like a PE teacher, and no one quite values his abilities because he's he's not got any. Well, he's never won anything proper, and you know what I mean he hasn't got a grand experience or anything of turning mm. a team into a great team like Pep yeah. Guardiola does or Klopp or Mourinho. Um, but I do like that United actually given him a chance and I don't know how long that chance was going to be there as long as Pochettino is a free agent. So with a team like mm. PSG now signing Pochettino, it takes the pressure off Ole Gunnar shire because he, there isn't really a, great manager out there now which is looking for a job and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I mean I'm going to say I I think he deserves to keep the job at the moment I mean people always say oh he's doing bad but I'll be honest the the media against United is pretty vitriol it really isn't kind in a sense and it's if you have one or two bad games like they're looking to sack you mate it's like they I don't genuinely think they are looking to sack them ever I just don't think they ever give him time at the same time but now there's no one out there who could realistically replace him i mm. mean i i don't mind and thing is good managers are going to come and go pochettino i mean psg are just one of those clubs they'll sack him probably in two years time for absolutely no reason um mm. because they just get over ambitious and they're like oh yes we should be winning back to back to back champions leagues and you know we've only made it to the final it's like well perhaps that's because your team's not very good. Um you mm. know it, it just then, is what it
0: oh, is. But I do know this is and I I think Pochettino is if I was to look at the world of football if Jurgen Klopp were to get sacked tomorrow mm-hmm. Pochettino would be the man that I'd want in charge.
1: Yeah. I'd be the same. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got sacked tomorrow I Pochettino would probably be the manager I want. But I don't want Pochettino at the expense of Solskjaer when there's no reason to get a uh, Get rid of um, Solskjaer. It, it's, so it's like replacing something with something new and shinier when the current thing already works. It's like you're just doing it for the sake of it, and there's no guarantee well, that it's going to work. Why change I mean, something that works? You know, it's not broken. Yeah, I
0: mean, it. I guess, I guess, how long do you give Solskjaer Because he's been. I mean, I know, I understand that you know, like people say, oh, well, Liverpool gave Klopp five years, but it's like, right, well, hang on, Liverpool when Klopp took over is a very different team to when. Solskjaer took over at United. Is it? You know, well, in, it is, it is well, in it some is. essences because when, it didn't when have you, the when finance. You, when you and talk. All that. Yeah, maybe not necessarily in terms of. Well, you say that. But, but you like, look I from remember, where he's
1: trying to take them and where he's I, taking them too, I'd say it's about the you, same.
0: Uh, I, I disagree. You know, Liverpool have been close to
1: second. Well, second not long before yeah, but then he then they took over.
0: But then they finished sixth and then they were close to relegation again. Uh, it was only it was only like November to be fair, so it wasn't long into the season, but they were, they were really struggling under Rogers. But like let's not forget, like our starting we our left back was Alberto Moreno, Simon Minule was our, our number one goalkeeper. Um we had Sacco and Skirtle a centre off with who'd have been our right back at that point? I to be honest,
1: sometimes situations like that can be quite Convenient for a manager in the sense that mm. you look at the squad and you go, "That's rubbish," and everybody knows it. So there's no lingering loyalties. Well, actually, you know what I mean. Solskjaer joined after Mourinho. Mourinho had signed mm. Pogba. And what if Solskjaer was like, "I don't really want Pogba. I don't really want Martial. I don't really want some of these mm. big name players like De Gea, possibly." And then it's like, well, you can't really get rid of them because they're long stay names and everybody knows them. But
0: all right, let's put it this way the different At challenges. Three...
1: I mean I probably would have said what Klopp's done is by far more impressive than what Solskjaer's done.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, is how long do you give how long do you give Solskjaer? How how long would you give him as a United fan? Well, it completely
1: depends on circumstance. I mean, if Liverpool go off the next 3 years and you know, do what they did last year, and Solskjaer mm. is the one finishing second by about 10 points. I, I'll keep him because I don't think anyone's going to compete with Liverpool. But when you're looking at him compared to everybody else, and if they're all, you know, five, six, seven points behind, and he's, you know, he's sort of, I wouldn't say he's fluttering where he gets a couple of good ones and he gets a couple of bad ones. But over time, he'll smoothen them out and he'll learn what he's doing. And, mm. you know, as long as he's close... Like that's the thing United have been missing for a while. We've been the team scrapping for fourth. I don't want to be the team scrapping for fourth. I'd more than that. Being the team solidifying second, of course I want to win things, but just I don't want any of this constant up and down, up and down. Mm. New manager here, new manager there, just for yeah. the sake of it. I'd much rather a long stay, no nonsense, Oli Solskjaer. We who should just keep no, us in well, the game all the time.
0: Yeah, and I mean I can I can understand the perspective of you know you don't want to be. Change in uh, change managers like footwear, but uh, I mean, I guess it's a difficult balance to have, isn't it? Because I think again, I'm speaking from the perspective of a, as a of a Liverpool fan, but as in, you know, Brendan Rodgers. Okay, when we sacked him, he was in a bit of a bad run of form. But as in the season before, he'd finished sixth. Okay, Steven Gerrard dropped off the boil in the final year of his career. Suarez had gone. Daniel Sturridge was basically injured for the majority of the season. So there were a few factors there where you could go, that's unfortunate. The season before, we got to second in the league. But then the, the ownership looked at it and went, well, Jurgen Klopp is out there. Why not go and get Jurgen Klopp? And I, know, can I can understand
1: now? that. Yeah, and to be fair, I can see the same for Solskjaer. If he does yeah. what Brendan Rodgers did... Hands down, it's time for him to go. He hasn't got mm. that backing because he hasn't won anything. But at the same no. time, if Klopp goes down to sixth at the moment, I don't think anyone's sacking him for Pochettino because they know what Klopp's done. And if Solskjaer goes out there now, let's say he wins the Premier League this year, highly and highly unlikely. I'm saying that now, it's highly unlikely. That's going to happen. But let's say he goes and wins the Europa now that he's just dropped into that and maybe he wins mm. an FA Cup. And then next year he's you know still second and Mm. he gets to the final of something and then the year after he you know he starts to go down a little bit I'd be honest I'd probably stick with him at that point looking at what he'd done the previous two years if he's winning stuff at least and still genuinely up there he's just had one off season I don't I don't want him to sack him I mean I think when Liverpool looked Mm -hmm. at Rodgers it even when they were coming second, it was kind of like, my goodness, Liverpool are still that team that's going up 3 nil and drawing 3 all to Crystal Palace. Mm, it's like yeah. there was still something in the culture and the identity a little bit wrong with them that they couldn't yeah. kill off these small teams. But Eugen yeah. Klopp came in and went, no, we're going to kill them and we're going to kill them properly and we're not going to just get the three and then be that team that looks leggy. We're going to go out there yeah. and score five no, or you six are right. or seven. Right. And that's the right way to go about it. And, you know, mm. I... I, I I think that's what Klopp's done. He's put that different mm. mentality in them. And I, I think to some extent that's what Solskjaer's trying to do. I mean, you look at the mm. Leeds game, it was like we we went up, what, three, four nil? Yeah, it was mm. three, three uh, no, we went to four nil, I think. Then we went four one, five one, five two, and then we went six two. It was like, it was almost that, well, no, we're not going to bend, we're not going to buckle. We could have just sat off at three. Mm. No, we're going to keep pressing, we're going to score six because that's the team we are. We're Man United, we're attacking. And I, I quite yeah. like that. <clears throat> Anyway, going back to Pochettino, which the whole <laughs> conversation was on, Um yeah, does it make PSG a genuine
0: challenger for Europe this year? Or even next I mean, year? I, I mean, I think so. I certainly think so. As in, to be fair, he, he, know, he got very close with a Spurs
1: team that that's you know, what I mean, as in, like, much as they're a good team, that he didn't spend any money to get them really.
0: I mean, you look at you look at the players that he's got at his disposal at Paris Saint Germain. It's disgusting. Well, as in Mbappe and Neymar alone, they're the mm. they're the sort of players that are good enough. If you can just be solid defensively, you don't have to have world-beating centre halves. If you have a good defence, mm-hmm. like a, a, a solid defence, those are the sort of players that they can win you games. Now I know that you know that every player has their off game, but as in, you know, let's put it this way: as as a as a, a f- fan of Liverpool. The prospect of facing a Paris Saint Germain side managed by Pochettino is a lot more nerve wracking than a PSG side managed by Thomas Tuchel. Oh, I, I don't know. I I'll be honest.
1: I haven't seen much of Tuchel, but mm. I think he's he's got something about him. I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad manager. I Just don't think he's managed a big club yet.
0: Oh, I I don't think he's a bad manager. I'm not saying he's a bad manager, but I think Pochettino's that next level. Is he? Well. Yeah, you could probably say he so. is. He's good at when, turning when, when,
1: a good, a bad, well, an average team into a great team. But has he got mm. that killer instinct? That's well, this the, is the thing. You see your this, Pep Guardiola, you see your Jose Mourinho, your Klops, and they kill you. They will go for the jugular. They know how to win the big games. And but then, th- when you think about it,
0: but then this is the thing. This is Pochettino's first. It's you know, bigger. this is his first. This is yeah, and this is the first time. The Pochettino, I mean, I don't know what PSG's financial situation, but assuming that there's nothing dodgy going on or anything that could get them in trouble, this could be Pochettino's first time in a team which are willing to spend. Like, yeah. spend. He could go, this is the player. Rather than having to be like, oh, well, I'll have to just drag everything out of the players that I've got. And that's not to say that the, all of the players at Spurs were terrible. No, but when, They're when, not they, had terrible the new, when they had the new
1: stadium, he didn't, wasn't allowed to buy anyone for like two exactly. years. And he still and Poch- produced wonders.
0: Exactly. So Pochettino now can be like, right, this is the player I want. Mm. I want to buy this player, and he is going to be my defensive midfielder, for example. Yeah. Which I think is a, is a well, for the rest of Europe, I think it's a bit of a frightening prospect. I'm not saying that they're immediately going to go and dominate in the Champions League. No, because you, you I see think, that
1: with teams like Chelsea, spend loads of money, and they, they're they still yeah. an average team. Yeah. But, you know, you see Pochettino and... I mean, I don't know how much of that was Daniel Levy and how much was Pochettino, but the signings yeah. they made at the very least with what they had are phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. And who's to say you can't do that to a greater extent with more money?
2: Mm.
0: So uh, we'll see. I, I think it makes PSG a bit more of a, a player in the in the game when it comes to Champions League anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, personally, I think uh, Pochettino is going to take them to the next level. That's that. Those are my thoughts. I, th-
1: I think they'll stay in the same space.
0: You think you don't think it's going to change much? Uh, this
1: I think there's a little bit too much player power at that team. Guys like mm. Neymar can really it influence too much to an extent. Mm. What what happens? But also, yeah, I, I think any club or any team that mm. plays its domestic football in a farmers league, I think you can never really consider them a genuine challenger for Champions League football because
0: Oof, farmers league.
1: Well, I, the, wow. Is there another good team in French football? No. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, Leon, I said, Lyon aren't a good team. Le- Leon are an Everton. You know what I mean? They're, they're just average, like above average yeah. rather. But then when PSG play their probably two games a year against a really good team in the Champions League, they're out of their depth. They're not used to it. You've got teams like Real Madrid playing Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, you know, eight, to nine, ten times a season in all of the Spanish competitions. You've got the English teams yeah. playing each other about 16 times over you know, the course of a season. And you've got the French League and they're not playing anyone genuine. They go to the Champions League and they're like a fish out of water. They don't know what's going on.
0: A <laughs> fish out of water. Yeah. Like a fish out of water. Yeah. What a great description. There we are. Um, right, so the, the, those are our thoughts on, uh, on Pochettino Paris and Germain. Um, right, Back to Premier League. It's um, still in the same
1: game to some extent, moving on to it Spurs.
0: Is moving on to Spurs, good segue, good segue. Yes. Um, Spurs' is former manager. Uh, no, hang on.
1: Former players. Pochettino's, Pochettino's <laughs> previous players. Oh, look at that freebies. Oh, oh um, Segway. Oh. Kane and Son. <laughs> yes. Are they, well, I mean, I'm going to say it now, they're probably the best duo in the league this season. I don't think...
0: This season, oh, definitely, yeah.
1: yeah. Are they the best duo... Of all time in the Premier League. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you've got Henri and Bergkamp. Is that correct? Do they play together?
0: Yes, I think yeah, so. I, I might um, say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I,
1: mean, I double checked it. I thought they both did play together.
0: <laughs> as, as a Liverpool fan, I'm going to put uh, Suarez and Sturridge in the hat there. That's, that's not a bad shout. To be fair, like what you, whatever you say about, um, you know. In looking back now, you can see that Sturridge clearly fed off Suarez's brilliance. Yeah. Um, but for that one season, I don't think I've ever seen... To be fair, I've not watched a massive amount of Spurs this year. So I'm not saying that they are outright better than the Spurs do, but I, me personally, I've never watched a better duo than that. Mm-hmm. And then I, did, um,
1: I did try to think. I wrapped my brain then quickly, and I thought, have United ever had a two, which has been in the same vein as them? And I mm. thought, no. They haven't, but they've had a four. <laughs> at one stage, they did have Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, and Berbatov, which mm. might be, I think, the best four.
0: It's not a bad four. Best but... attack
1: probably you could ever imagine, because that, mm. was, that just had everything in it. Slick the skill mm. from Berbatov, I mean, the ruthlessness the one thing... of Rooney and Tevez, and then Ronaldo, the best player mm. in the world at the time. But yeah, going back to just a duo, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, the one thing I would say about these two as a duo it's not just the amount of goals they score, it's the amount they assist each other. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what the statistics would be for Suarez and Sturridge, as in I know know they scored a crazy amount of goals um, between them. I'd imagine they assisted each other a fair few times just purely because of the positions they are on the pitch. Um, I mean, I guess the thing that's slightly different as well is that, you know, like you've got um, striking partnerships, Suarez and Sturridge, for example, Son's a winger, isn't he? He's not a striker, is he? So you could argue that it makes it a little bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but to be fair, he, he kind of has that free ring, almost like a uh, De Bruyne, but he's, to a more yes. attacking it. In he's sense. almost and like he a centre. He's, he he's like a
0: centre forward, isn't he? Rather than mm. a, his, his position is on the wing, but isn't he plays like he plays a bit of everywhere, really. well, um, oh, I don't know. I think I'd be hard. I don't know. I feel like I, it would be difficult for me to judge and say. Outright, yes, they are the best. Just because I haven't seen them play enough this season, and we're we're halfway through the season, so I think it it will very much depend on. I mean, if this if this kind of vein of form carries on, then it would be you'd be hard pressed to argue otherwise, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: just just for context, um, Son and Kane, their goal contributions, well. Their connection rather this season is I think they're on thirteen goals where one has assisted the other um and that 's the record of all time for one season in the Premier League and we 're not even halfway <laughs> so, so they're only they 're not even halfway through the season and they already have more connected goals one where one of those two scored and the other one assisted than any mm. strike partnerships ever had in Premier League history um but also i mean they've scored 76% of Spurs' goals this season between the two of them.
0: That's crazy, isn't
1: it? And for comparison, for the other other four teams which finished top last year, (laughs) this year, they've only... Well, Liverpool's two most prolific players have scored 51% of their goals. City's two most prolific goal scorers have scored just 38% of theirs. United's two most prolific scored 55% of theirs this year. And Chelsea's Mm. have scored 33%. So... I mean, only two of them are just scraping above fifty percent, and hmm. well, Harry Kane and Son have closer to hundred uh, percent than they are well, to three quarters, have not they? They scored three quarters yeah. of
0: their team's goals. Is there is there an argument that perhaps the rest of the team isn't really <laughs> putting a shift in? <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, could... obviously, obviously, the the number of goals scored would suggest that actually, no, it is it is the fact that they've been exceptional. But at the same time, you kind of like. Three quarters Stephen of your Bergwine. team's goals are scored by two people.
1: Stephen Bergwine had the most opportunities in their game on the weekend, and he didn't mm. get a goal. Um, and he hasn't scored in twenty-seven games. So, wow. so, I mean, the fact that Kane and Son, I think they both got 27? a goal. Twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven games. Stephen Bergwine has not scored him.
0: No way. Yeah,
1: me and Jack used to call Stephen Bergwine Big Pigeon because. <laughs> His name is Bergwijn. If you say the J incorrectly for the Dutch, the, the same way as uh, Van Dijk is Van Dijk, and um, oh, who oh, was th- there's somebody. Oh, G- Wijnaldum. Yeah,
0: Wijnaldum.
1: We also called him so uh, Bergwijn. Big just, pigeon. Just
0: to clarify, Liverpool fans, I never. I never called Wynaldum Wijnaldum and I never called Van Dyke Van Dijk. I did call Big Wine Big Pigeon. <laughs> I'll be
1: big Wigeon, the Big Pigeon. Um, yeah. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> oh, uh,
0: that's funny. There we are. But I yeah. don't really know how to follow up from that. But yeah, no, it's... It, you, you know, if they carry on in that um, that little run of form, fair play, because that's uh, very impressive.
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, right, to the other part of London then. Um... Arsenal. I guess uh, I- I'm going to start off by saying, uh, you know, perhaps apologies to Arsenal fans because I-, I am pretty sure only probably only like two episodes ago, maybe even last episode, I said that Arsenal were relegation candidates, um, and they've just gone and thumped uh, West Brom four um, nil. After Big Sam said that, uh, oh yes, you absolutely have to consider them relegation candidates. So they put Big Sam in his place. Um, now won the last three in a row. So you could... Do you know what? It's interesting because I kind of skimmed these notes before we uh, before we started, and obviously you, you've put your bit in, i put the bits that I wanted to say in. And I've just read your um, note yeah. about who those last three games were yeah. against. My, my knuckle dust is cha- still on, Jack. It's, it's <laughs> changed my It's changed my opinion a little bit. I still don't think... I, I, look, I don't think they're relegation candidates. I think... Just purely what we've seen in the last three games shows that they have gotten a fight to to, to stay, stay in the up. Premier League. I, ne- I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that on a podcast discussing Premier League football that Arsenal have got enough to stay up. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I I I think they're too good for a relegation fight. You to see, be honest. I'm I'm still on the other side of the fence. I
1: still think Arsenal are rubbish. They've they're three wins. Which you, is, you
0: still th- used st- yeah, go on. Who, who are the three wins against? Chelsea, a team
1: which, to be fair, top half of the table, and at one stage we thought could win the Premier League. They are in free fall right now. They mm. are not very good. They beat a Brighton team, which is lingering just ever so slightly above the relegation places, and they beat a West Brom team that is well and truly second bottom in the relegation scrap. So, I mean, they're beating teams out of form or teams that are genuinely not very good. And mm. I just think it's, it's a smoke and mirrors it is. Well, I think that's the right phrase, but they're not a good team. You can't just beat yeah. bad teams and everyone goes, you're great. You see all of the hype on Arsenal Twitter and they're loving it. Mm. They're saying, oh, we're back, we're, we're dominating teams. Anyone can beat West Brom 4-0. Anyone can. <laughs> Sunday League team can beat them four 0 They don't attack. Sam Allardyce had ten shots on targets for his first yeah. three games. That is the lowest since the stat was recorded through three three wow. games of a manager's first three games at a new yeah. club. Arsenal are the same rubbish team that they were two months ago. But I don't. I, there's nothing strange. Get... Th- three three wow. wins. Wow, Oh, scathing a 1-0 a 1-0 against Brighton that's not convincing the 4-0 against no. West Brom you'd you hope any average team could do that and then to be fair it's a scalp to beat Chelsea but
0: meh meh do, do you reckon it's not just even even though it's not necessarily a change in quality though is it not just that slight change in mentality do you not think that's enough to kind of get them at the table a little bit
1: no, nah, because I think as soon as they play a genuine Premier League side, they'll get found out again, and then they'll be like, "Oh gosh, we we aren't very good," and I, I think you know that'll sort of shock them back into the normality of things, and they'll they'll start to slip back down the side down the table.
0: I mean, so the next so few do you games, so you think they're still in a relegation
1: fight, right? I'm not saying they're in a relegation fight because that was always tongue in cheek, but you see those relegation teams at the bottom. The teams mm. that will be there at the end of the season, without a doubt. And those are your Sheffield United, your West Brom, Fulham, Brighton. Yeah. Burnley could probably get out of that scrap. Newcastle could get out of that scrap. I wouldn't be surprised to see Arsenal, say, 14th, 15th or 16th come the end of the season. Because I genuinely don't think Mikel Arteta is very good. And I they, they, they've, they're going to be the best of a bad bunch. Those teams are bad teams. Yeah. Arsenal is one step above. And that is it. Yeah. Because you look at all of the other teams in the league, and you say they actually have a bit of genuine quality. I mean, yeah. I mean, for context, Southampton. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to tell you the score. Um, I won't oh, tell I you know that.
0: The score, don't you worry?
1: Okay. Southampton are currently beating Liverpool as it's, at this very moment <laughs> in time, and they're sixth. And usually, you'd say they're a relegation team, but they're not. They're showing a bit of character, a bit of class. So are Leeds. Mm. Crystal Palace are going out there and beating the odd team. Wolves are a good team, but they've been injury stricken. Leeds are a good team there's lots of good teams there you know you look at that top ten yeah right? you look at our top ten and probably West Ham's the only team I can see Arsenal beaten mm. that's that's a worry yeah I've, there's probably thirteen teams that I can't see Arsenal beaten yeah. yeah and they're, they're, I think that's just the state of play for them um i I, I wouldn't say they're a relegation mm-hmm. fight I'd just say they're one step above
0: okay. Um, moving on from that, then, the next point is that there's three points there's three points between them and chelsea um yeah, speaking of Chelsea um, what are your thoughts? well
1: I'll be honest, I don't think Lampard'll see out the season
0: um, oh well, do you know what i i was I was about to say that's bold, but I don't know. It's, it's a real possibility now, if, I think. If Frank it,
1: Lampard hadn't played for Chelsea in his career, he'd be sacked by the end of the month, I think. Yeah. I think because he coaches them, he could just see it to the end of the season, purely for nostalgia reasons. But there is not a chance that a manager who's been given a £220 million war chest and has bought some of the best players across Europe should be languishing in eighth position. Ninth position, actually, correction. It's wow. just inexcusable. You've got, they've just signed Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwen, Eduard Mendy. That's three of the five players that are defending, and they're still rubbish at defending. They signed Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, and Kai Havertz, mm. and they're not scoring. They're, scoring. they're actually scoring less goals than they were last year. It's like, what? What are you doing? You were better off playing Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroux than playing this striker Played that you've Giroud. just gone out and spent like 50, 60 million on. It's, oh. Yeah. Honestly, it's... he's he, he's in danger of getting the sack if he I mean he's just so stubborn as well. Like they were saying when mm. he when he starts to win games, Lampard at Chelsea, well last season in particular, he's stuck with the same formula. It's like okay, all commendable for you. But mm. as soon as it goes wrong, he's like, well, I haven't got a plan B because my plan A was only luckily working. You know, now he's got a plan. Now he's to think of a plan B. Gosh. Mm. But, of course, everyone, well, I mean... everyone who signed for Chelsea, of course, signed because they want to play for Lampard. Don't forget that. They'll never <laughs> let you think of that. They signed for Chelsea because <laughs> they want to play for Lampard. This tactical managerial genius who's got one formation. And if it doesn't work, gosh, put that new striker you got out on the wing in the worst position he seems to play. <laughs> genius. I mean,
0: I think... Um... I think last season was an interesting one for Chelsea because it was almost a, it was almost like a little bit of a buy, wasn't it, for Lampard? Mm-hmm. As in, they couldn't... Okay, they got Pulisic in, but as in, they lost Hazard. So that you'd... I was about to say, that's like for like. with The way Hazard was playing before he left, it's not really like for like. As in,
1: yeah, what I mean, fair, is pos, you look at position that Chelsea, to position. You look at that Chelsea team when ha- Hazard was there, they, they look at that and they go, there's no one good apart from Hazard. And they were still mm. winning the league. Well, Hazard and Kante probably the mm. only two decent players on that team and they were winning the league now they've sold hazard oh, okay that's a loss but you've bought well, they've bought 220 million pounds worth of players and they are four or five positions worse off you can't tell me that that manager I mean, is a, an improvement on what they used to have
0: i mean this is the things in like when i was looking at the signings that chelsea were making at the start of the season i was like I, but, I think I remember saying at the time, I think Chelsea are the number one contenders. I, yeah. I still thought Liverpool were the best team in all honesty. But I thought Chelsea are the team that I'm worried about most. In you, hindsight, yeah. perhaps there was a little bit of a um I, I, you know, perhaps I didn't consider the fact that, you know, it doesn't necessarily click straight away. And that's fair enough. You you know, you, you look at Pep Guardiola, for example. Pep Guardiola took over a city and they finished I think it was fourth, wasn't it? Was it fourth they finished? First yeah, season. yeah, it wasn't convincing. Um, it No, it wasn't convincing. But there were still signs. Whereas, like you say, Chelsea right now, despite the fact that they've spent many millions on, you know, and it's not just like they've spent it on one player. You know, you between Ziyech, Havertz, and uh, Werner, that's that's almost a, that's a new front three. Mm-hmm. If if you play someone out, out of position, which he has done, you know, he's he's played Werner on the wing because he doesn't know um, how to use him. He doesn't to use any no. of his
1: players because he's not a great no. manager. It's, it's like I think- you put Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in that team and because he's not English, he's getting sacked at this stage. Yeah. But because Frank Lampard's, you know, born and bred Londoner or whatever, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll give him to the end of the season. It's like, oh, it's absolute rubbish it is that he's he's mm. still in that club. He, he's
0: not a great manager. Not mm. a good
1: manager. Yeah. And, uh, um, it didn't make sense to me.
0: No, I... I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it still baffles me. This season is still very odd in that, you know, everyone was like, oh, Arsenal getting relegated, Arsenal getting relegated. And like two weeks later, three points mm. between them and Chelsea, who a couple of weeks ago themselves, we were saying, or oh, title contenders, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. It's wrong route, Absolutely right? bizarre. Yeah, I know. But well, so um, the thing
1: is, some people have said, oh, it's because of Covid you know they've had a uh, they've had a shortened preseason they've not had a chance to gel or whatever you know this is what happened it's like we're, we're in January and it's going downhill yeah. if it's going downhill in January what are we doing for the other 3 months was it just or we're just still finding our feet winning games or we found our feet let's start to lose them
2: so
0: like, well and i guess this is the thing is in like you, you know you're not expecting and I guess this is perhaps where it was a bit unfair in, in how I assess Chelsea, is as in you, you can't expect, when you're bringing in so many new players, like I said, you can't expect it to click straight away. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, I, I have no idea how many goals Timo Werner is on, but it's not many so yeah. far this season. It's, it's, it can't be more than 10, I wouldn't think.
1: I probably would say it's more than five. five.
0: Yeah, as in, he has really struggled. And that, that's partly because he's been played out of position. But, you know, it's not like they're solid defensively. As in, like, I remember at the start of the season, everyone was like, oh, oh, Edouard Mendy. They get Mendy and they'll be, you know, they'll be solid. And Edouard Mendy had, like, one cracking game. Well, and to, since to be then, fair, yeah, they, they had a decent
1: defence for a few games. And it was like, OK, mm. it disguised how bad they were up front. And then all of yeah. a sudden, everyone was like, oh, hang on. When they start to concede goals, they're rubbish, and you know why that is? Because they can't attack. And you know why that is?
0: Because they haven't got a coach. Mm. I, I sense that you're not a fan of Lampard, Jack.
1: Oh, I just can't stand the arrogance of Chelsea fans. Well, anyone who is like is a big Lampard advocate, it's like he bottled a playoff um, spot in the championship when he was derby manager. Hmm. It's like, well, let's reward him with a job at Chelsea. It's like, yeah, that works, doesn't it? Those two things correlate hundred yeah. percent. And then he gets to the Chelsea yeah. job and he's given a whole year to work himself out. Not like Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, who's out there no. having to the work out on the no. fly. Not like Mikel Arteta who joins got a burning house when he joined. It's like, oh mm. well Lampard is in a great position where they've you know, he's got a reason to do bad. He's got another one this year because mm. 'cause he's got COVID. Um, you know, all those guys are suffering or, you know, they haven't got all the preseason they needed, but they're, they're just not a good team. I mean, f- found out the winning percentage is winning percentage uh, under Abramovich's ownership, Chelsea manager winning percentage. Lampard ranks second bottom on 49%. The only guy below him was Villas Boas, 48. And,
2: hmm.
1: and that, that's managers who played uh, more than 20 games, I believe. Or not played, uh, hmm. coached more than 20 games. Points per game. Well, actually, I'm not do that one because you can use that style later. Um, oh but, no, I ch- I changed my style. Oh, okay. You can say um, Frank Lampard's point per game the worst out of every manager that has played well managed more than 20 games for Abramovich. Mm. It's like he's just getting a get out of jail free card. You look at guys like Avram Grant. You go into the Champions League finals, he gets sacked. He gets sacked. Vas Hiddink joined yeah. twice and got both times got into to the Europa League final, I think, or mm. very far in the European competitions.
0: Well, the one time he joined, they were in eighth, I think. Yeah. Or the, Under the finished eighth, as in that was the year the Mourinho got sacked mm. and they were really struggling. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Di Matteo wins a Champions League and next year, he's not given four games. It's like, well, Lampard, oh. Well, <clears> do not make any sense to me. He, 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 he should get the sack before the
0: end of January because if he doesn't, it's just complete bias. It is, yeah. It's a farce. But then... Well, this is the thing though. Is our Chelsea have they finally cottoned on to the fact that you can't you can't just keep going through managers? Do you think do you think there's you know, is in like to, let's to be, be fair, fair now? I when, you, this about... when, you, when you look at that list, you mm. know, you've got Jose Mourinho, Conte, Ancelotti, um Scalari, okay, Scolari's a bit from probably a bit of a bygone hero now. Mm. Um Sari, you've got some very you've got some very high quality managers there. Um, and they've they've gone through them all, you know, as in, where do they go next? Where, yeah. If Chelsea were for
1: Lampard, where would they go? This is what I didn't want them, to, United, to do. I didn't want yeah. them to sack Ole and Solskjaer just for another big name, which is why I didn't want them to sack him for Pochettino. Because it's is moving from big name to big name to big name if you're not going to give them the time to do anything. But at the no. same time, when they got Solskjaer in, it was like, OK, this is the one we're going to stick with for a bit whether it's good or bad we're going to go with Solskjaer I thought well, okay this is mm. a bit you know I'm not sure and then he, he's, he's turned out okay-ish La- mm. Chelsea it's like well they've done the same thing United did where they're sacking all the good managers and they get some guy who used to play for them mm. and it's not working but it's just like it just feels a little bit too little too late mm. I'm sure if you kept a Mourinho at some point you'd turn it around I know mm. obviously p- players can always get a little bit ill-tempered with mm. a manager same for Di, Di Matteo you, know, you just get these managers, Ancelotti, it's like, give him a little bit of time to actually mm. implement something, then see what yeah. happens. Lampard, they're giving him mm. the opportunities to implement something, and he can't do mm. anything. I feel like we're taking too much time up on Chelsea here, yeah, because I'm just absolutely levering into that Lampard. But
0: Yeah, on. but I mean, I'll just say one thing and then we can move on. But I think, um, for me, the most bizarre one out of all of those was how quickly Sari left. One season, and he was like, nah, I'm out. Um, and I think he realised actually that maybe a little bit of a poison chalice, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a shame that you know I I'm saying this as a, an outsider, you know, as in I didn't I haven't watched Chelsea week in week out. Perhaps if there were any Chelsea fans listening, they would argue and say actually no, it was right the sorry left. But from outside looking in, it seems a little bit weird how he just ended up going for. No reason apart from the fact that he, he had enough. There we are. We'll leave you now, Chelsea and Chelsea fans. We've had our little rant. Um, <laughs> Man City. The, I reckon Go. they're
1: back to their best. Yeah? Yeah. They won they last four. They're unbeaten mm-hmm. in their last 11 games. <clears throat> they've got the yeah. best offensive record this season. And they've only mm. conceded more than one goal once this season. And that was way back in September when they lost 5-2 to Leicester. Mm. I I, they, I, mean, that they properly dismantled Chelsea and it just feels like they, they, they're, they're gearing up. The cogs are turning and they're about <clears> to start <throat> the great pursuit of reclaiming the Premier League mm. trophy. I reckon they could be in with a very good shout this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would say to you back to their best... Um yeah, I, I certainly guess. think it
1: depends what their best is, because is it on performances <laughs> or is it on the results? Because I mean, for sure they've dominated teams in a much dirtier fashion, but um
0: And do you know what I was watching somebody yesterday and I think <coughs> I think it's a good point. I think you know the fact that Liverpool for a little while hadn't dropped many points. Um I think now that Liverpool have started to drop a few points, I think City are probably looking at it and going... Because I think for the past couple of seasons, the bar has been so ridiculously high mm-hmm. that it was almost like, as soon as you lost a game, there was almost that little switch, and it was like, oh, we could lose the league because of that. Yeah. Because the exactly. standards were so crazy. Um, but now that they're not
1: losing games, and it, Everton's well, starting to drop points, it's almost like, hang on, even though we got three losses, we're not out of the Premier League race That's yet. what I mean.
0: So, I, I you know, I think perhaps there's been a little bit of a, a psychological release um, from City's front. You know, perhaps... You know, it, it's no longer a case of they think, oh, well, we've lost again, that's the league gone. They think, well, you know, we just go again next game. One mm-hmm. game at a time. Um, so I think that might be playing into City's uh, little purple patch, if you want to call it that. Um, but, you know, they, they're doing well, City. Um, you know, like you, you've put your own in their last uh, 11 games in all competitions. Um... I just, um, I just
1: I just feel like cool. Guardiola's found this formula again. He's, mm. he's starting to get the best out of his players. It, it it just feels a little bit more Man City. You know what I mean? If I, I'd love to see the Man City team of two, three years ago playing all the time because, I mean, they just ruined... They were humiliating teams on the regular. Yeah. It, it was a good watch. They really knew how... You know, it was good mm. football. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of disappointment to see them slump last year and to the start of this year, but... It's just nice yeah. to see them have a bit more confidence about it. They can rely on their defence for a change since company. Well,
0: I was about to say, yeah. you know, it seems like they've they finally got somebody to go next to Laporte in Ruben Diaz, where, obviously, when they're both fit. Um, so, and I, I think that was part of City's big issue last year. It wasn't necessarily that they couldn't score goals, it's just that defensively, they were just a little bit wobbly. Well, to, to be fair, um, the
1: Port's been injured again this year. This is back to Stones, isn't it? They,
0: I just quite yeah. like to see
1: John Stones' revival. It's, he's been in my fantasy team, he has, and he's been a uh, beauty. Yeah. Absolute beauty. I mean, of
0: team. Well, I mean, but that's the thing, though, isn't it? As in, if there's anything that I'm learning this season, and I'm sure City fans learned last season, is that you can't, you have to have more than one world-class centre-half. Mm-hmm. You can't just have the one, because as soon as that one gets injured, y- you're struggling a little bit. So I think you know they f- they finally, well, I say finally, they may well have found their man in Diaz. And assuming that Laporte and Diaz are both fit, that's a bit of an ominous pairing to be going up against.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sp- speaking of defenders and centre backs in particular, yes. Liverpool are starting Henderson and Fabinho this season. Uh, this this evening against Southampton, who they're currently losing against as we are recording. Um, But they've got Nat Phillips and Rhys Williams on the bench. Um, Yeah. Is the defensive problems solely on the schedule or is a little bit of blame on Klopp and or whoever makes the decisions on the transfers? Because if you go into this game and, to be fair, they're down three centre-backs, they're all injured, Mm. and your next two are both on the bench in favour of... Henderson and Fabino playing back there, are you not a little bit short changed going into the season if you know that well, even if just one of them gets injured, you know, throughout a season, there's no way those two can play for the whole season and if you're not trusting in those youth players, what's the point in not buying more centre backs at an earlier stage?
0: I'll, I'll put it to you this way if Harry Maguire and Eric Bae both got injured and Lindelof got injured, who would you who would you not be playing at centre half?
1: They'd be playing Marcus Rojo, Phil Jones, and or Timothy Fosu Mensa. Yeah,
0: there you go. Well,
1: um, to be fair, though, I'd happily have... I, I know there's always the jokes about Phil Jones, because he does make some erratic
0: decisions. But I I'd think I'd, Ma- rather Henson, F- I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather Henderson at centre-off than Phil Jones. Yeah, that's not g- even a joke.
1: yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. But I'd rather Phil Jones at centre back than Nat Phillips or Reese Williams because I just think mm-hmm. th- there's too much trust in well they've got too little trust, but also you you're putting too much on two young guys when you've got yeah. you know Marcus Rojo's been in the World Cup final, and a Phil Jones who's played under an Alex Ferguson he's been a long state you know I know obviously he's not, mm. not particularly great but. But I mean, I mean, if the worst comes to worst, United could even bring Chris Smalling back from his loan at Roma, isn't it? Is he still on loan there? Uh,
0: I think he's permanent now. Oh, isn't is he, he
1: permanent. Never mind then. But, but um, I mean, always, I, lot, I, there's at least five centre backs on that team. Mm. I know, obviously, that the, the calibre different to Liverpool, mm. but surely I mean, I kind, I
0: kind of agree with you. I mm. kind of agree with you. I think, you know, we were discussing this before we started recording. Um, I think, <laughs> and I said this to you. I said I'm going to word this carefully. I think the fact that they didn't replace Lovren was a mistake. Mm -hmm. I think selling Lovren was the correct thing to do, but I think not buying somebody, even if it was somebody fairly young, I think not buying somebody in seems a little, in hindsight, seems a little bit Mm -hmm. unusual. Um, You know, and I think... I mean, even when you look at Man
1: City from last year, you go, well, they lose Laporte and... Well, I think they, did they lose Otamendi or Stones at some point? It was either that or the one of them fell out I'm of favour. Sure. But instantly they were looking at Fabino and it, not Fabino, F, uh Fernandinho, and it was like, well, this, you know what I mean? If you're already dropping that quickly down today, mm. they're like, well, we need to bolster, and they did bolster this year. They bought um, mm. Ruben Diaz, and it was like, well, there we go, mm. there we go. You answer, you fix the problem. But it, I don't know. Even if you're not buying the same calibre, you've got to buy a bit of experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you got to buy. You got to get somebody. Is because it's know, no good I, just
1: chucking Henderson and Fabino there, saying they're better than some of the options at other teams. Because then you leave the mm. midfield shortchanged. It's like
0: it doesn't well, quite make sense. Well, but this is but this is the thing. Liverpool nowadays have an abundance of you know. as in they're playing Henderson a centre half. They've still managed to field tonight. Wayne Alden, the Ox, and Thiago as mm-hmm. their midfield. So I think that's part of the thinking behind it. In that our midfield nowadays then, is absolutely stacked.
1: And to be fair though, they'll run around all the time. But what happens after mm. them three? like cuz you know what i mean yeah. if you're then playing two two midfielders at center back three midfielders in midfield it's like what you can need like eight midfielders at this rate mm. just to make sure that you've got defensive cover I mean, and enough stamina one
0: one thing i would say is you know like last season laporte got injured very early on and he was out for the majority of the season the same has happened to liverpool but with both of their starting center halves mm-hmm. which i think you know Although similar to City, to lose both of your SARS in centre-halves to long-term injury at basically the same time is unfortunate. Very unfortunate. I think another thing that is unfortunate and perhaps Liverpool perhaps should have taken into account more seriously is the fact that as good as Joel Matip is, he is horrendously injury-prone. Yeah. Um, Which means, you know, like literally, Matip plays a game and is then injured for two. And then he plays a game and then he's injured for two. And you're like, well, if that's how he's going to be... You've got to get someone else. You can't, mm-hmm. which, which is why I think a lot of him managed to stay around for as long as he did, in all honesty. Um, and but yeah, You look
1: like Man United and it's like, okay, obviously the car- calibre of the defence isn't the same, but mm. if you lose one guy to injury at Liverpool, you're instantly playing your top, your only centre-backs that you trust every single game, mm. every minute for the rest of the season and they can't get injured because you don't trust mm. the next guy up. But then mm-hmm. you go to United, they lose one guy. They've still got four centre-backs that you'd... As much as I know you don't like Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo probably is a little bit out of favour, you'd at least have them in your team to stop a defensive crisis. And it's like, you know what I mean? Mm. And even if you lose two, you got well, you've still got three left. It's like, you're mm. unfortunate if you get three injuries, but then in fact you've still got mm. two remaining. But Liverpool have had three injuries and it's like... We don't. We don't trust anybody else. I mean, I'm surprised they even signed um, someone already. In this in this window. I mean,
0: I, I think it's unfair to say that he doesn't trust either of the other two. Because let's not forget, up until now, apart from when Joel Matip has actually been fit to play, the partnership has been Fabinho with N- Nat Phillips or Reese Williams. Mm-hmm. That has been. So I don't think it's a case he doesn't trust them. I think there's a little bit of a, a psychological thing to take them out of the firing line. But the thing you know, is, in- I, I don't
1: think Solskjaer would ever go, let's put two CDMs at centre-back over Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo. Like, I, I think he's he's got more trust. Well, he trusts the, that five, which they've got at centre-back, a lot more than mm. Klopp seems to be trusting these guys. I, I wasn't saying maybe that he doesn't trust them, but th- the fact that, if one guy gets an injury, then all of a sudden you've either got to always pay one experienced with one inexperienced, or you're going to have games where you're having two inexperienced guys which Klopp doesn't seem happy to do. It's just a strange one for me, really. I just can't really understand. Surely um, somebody in a boardroom went, hang on, we've only got three centre-backs that we actually like.
0: Well, this is the thing. I think, I think in January... That, look, I trust Klopp. The fact that you look at the signings the Klopp has made and they've apart from maybe one or two, they've all been outstanding. I do think we need to sign a centre half in January. You know, when you're resorting to playing I can see why he's done it tonight, because Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, they're youth players, they're not senior players. It's as simple as that. You know, it's one thing playing, you know, like United played Greenwoods. It's one thing doing that with a winger for a centre half I it's a it's a different kettle of fish. You can't be throwing in young players at centre half if you wanna win if you wanna be challenging for the league. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um But I think when you get into the point when you're having to play Henderson and Fabinho as your two centre halves, you need to sign the centre half. It's as simple e- even if it's one, so you're playing Fabinho with somebody else. You know, but I think when you're having to play two of your central midfielders as centre back, that's a little bit bonkers. Um But yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, So I guess in summary, I think there was perhaps a little bit of um, naivety in putting so much trust in Matip when he's so injury-prone. And I think they made a mistake in not replacing Lovren with somebody. However, I do think they've been very unfortunate with the injuries they've had to their top two centre-halves.
2: Yeah,
1: unfortunate but foolish at the same time to...
0: Well, you say that, though. When was the last time that United had their two best centre-halves in the season? No, I understand that.
1: No, I understand that. That's unlucky. But it's foolish to only have three centre-backs. Like, you should never really be in a situation where you're looking at your centre-back options and you're saying, I don't quite trust those two. You know what I mean? Just as in normal In
0: normal circumstances, yes. But when... He's the thing the is, centre-ups. even it, it, if all
1: three of United's you know, best three centre backs go down injured, I would still mm-hmm. trust Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo to oh. muddle together and get through.
0: Oh. I'm not. I'm not sure I would see. That's the thing. I, I think is,
1: I think there's a stigma about Phil Jones. He's not great, but
0: to be honest with you, he just makes funny faces. I think that's the yeah, only but, but, thing about But but in him. this, I think I would just as, be just as concerned about Marcus Rojo because he seems to get as many uh, tackle uh, red cards as he does interceptions but, and tackles.
1: That that's that is. That is false narrative Marcus Rojo has never had a red card for Manchester United that what is about
0: before Manchester United ah
1: who cares that's like that's almost a decade ago now I'm looking up now hundred percent he has not had a red card for Manchester or if he has he's had his first recently there's not no mm-hmm. no word of a lie he's he's got an incredible um Record of uh, not getting bookings, so uh, he, he, it's a stigma. It is. These are stigmas people put out there. He he is by all means a thug on the on the uh, on the pitch, but he, he's he's not one. That right gets... then,
0: well, in that case, he gives away foul walls then. Ah, it's not not not.
1: Yeah, but these are things. These are just stigmas. He's still a good defender. Is and... he
0: then? Why doesn't he play?
1: Because we got better options. But the thing is. <laughs> We've not got better options.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Lindelof and Maguire absolutely lethal.
1: The, uh, the stigma, it is. That's right, a here good go. defence.
0: Here we go. This is Marcus Rojo's defensive record. In 76 appearances, mm-hmm. he's been part of a team that's conceded 58 goals.
1: To be fair, the, those are majority of those are under David Moyes and the Louis van Hall era, which wasn't a particularly great era. for how many
0: How many fouls do you reckon he's got?
1: Probably quite a few.
0: Probably. 81 he's got more fouls than he has appearances for manchester united
1: fouls tactical fouls fabinho gets fouls people all the time it's tactical fouls
0: yeah but he's not known for it
1: oh i'll be honest every time i watch liverpool i notice how many fouls Fabino gives away it's just that he gets away with them and he never gets booked for them it's 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 an art form it is south south american players have an art form of being able to foul players and not get bookings for them they just do it insane how such... many
0: appearances how many appearances do you think Marcus Rojo has in ooh, let's say, from two thousand seventeen till now? Not many, I don't imagine. No. No, it's not many. It's like twenty one.
1: But that's because we didn't need him. We've got three other guys and he's probably a little bit out of favour. But the point of what I'm saying is United have five centre backs that if they turned up on a weekend, I wouldn't I obviously you wouldn't be hundred percent happy, but you're not looking at it going, Oh uh, you know, I'm really, really worried. Whilst well, Liverpool have three centre backs, and if just one of them gets injured, every other weekend you're going up and saying there is a direct weakness there that someone's going to try and exploit because they are not well, an experienced player. Well, no, because,
0: player. because 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 all three of them are injured at the same time. No, I get That's that, Does, but if even to, just
1: one, the other two can't play every minute. So it, by law they'll have to. You know what I mean? They'll have to. No, but then but then, for then you can't games. play
0: Fabinho as centre half. I don't think it's unreasonable to be playing Fabinho at centre half. Clearly, he can play there. isn't he? has been, he's been arguably one of our best players this season, playing out of position. Clearly, mm-hmm. Fabinho can play there. I think that the issue lies that Liverpool have been extremely unfortunate to have lost to their starting two centre halves, both to season-long injuries. It's one thing if you'd lost, like say Van Dijk. To, three months, or you'd lost Joe Gomez to even five months, but to lose both of them for basically the whole duration of the season. Because then, then the, the, the problem is then, then players like Matip do become more at risk because they're having to play so often. When you're kind of interchanging them, swapping them in and out, the risk of injury plummets. Whereas all of a sudden, when you're having to play, you know, because basically what happens is, as soon as Van Dijk and Gomez get injured for the whole season... Your seniors your your, your bench centre halves, for want of a better word, become your number one centre halves, and everyone moves up a tier. So I don't think. No, I get. What you, I get. I get what you're I, saying. I'm getting what I, you're
1: saying. Where you're saying, oh, it's unheard of to get all those injuries. But what I'm saying is, it only takes one injury at Liverpool to instantly be in a defensive crisis where they've only got a very small amount of options. Whilst yeah, a lot of other but, clubs have at least four or five options. You look at Chelsea. You've got Kurt Zuma, Thiago Silva, Andreas Christensen, just to name a few, and I, I mm. Rudiger's there. And I know, obviously, some people don't like some of those guys, but you look at them and you go, "Well, at least there's options." Mm. Whilst when you go to Liverpool, and you lose three, you're instantly like, "Oh, this is," you know, touch and go as to who they're going to be playing mm. on the weekend.
0: There we are. Right, uh, let's move on from uh, from Liverpool. We'll talk about uh, Celtic Rangers now because it was the uh, Old Firm derby on the weekend. Rangers are now. 19 points clear at the top of the Scottish League. It's worth saying that um, Celtic have, like, I think it's like three games in hand, but even y- so.
1: Yes, but yeah, they'll still be nine, Was no, ten points behind even if they win all three.
0: Yes. That's a pretty hefty swing, um, you know, considering this would have been, you know, um, you know, Celtic were hoping to go for a tenth consecutive uh, Scottish Premier League title. Um, mm-hmm. To be, As in, you know, I think <clears throat> this weekend's result is basically wrapped, wrapped it up. up uh, yeah, it's wrapped it up. Yeah. As in, I think basically, if Celtic had any chance of um, catching, catching, they would have had to have done something pretty major this weekend. Um, to well, they would have had to have won. Basically, Celtic would have mm. had. To, they had to have won this weekend to have a chance. Um, I mean, I don't know about you. I think there are multiple causes for um, the kind of swing in fortunes because as in you know Celtic have dominated for many years. Rangers got relegated for financial reasons. Um but yeah, there are many factors in play, changes of managers, um Gerrard seems to have turned Rangers into genuine contenders, he's kind of backed them. Um it, out of interest, if Rangers were to be plopped into the Premier League right now, where do you think they'd finish?
1: Rangers, um, right I th- now. I think they're about the level of. I was going to say Brighton, but I think that's too <laughs> kind. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I don't brutal. think that's disrespectful mm. either because you look at that team. I can't <clears throat> name apart from Morellas who played up top, and I don't even think he plays them many for because he keeps getting red cards. But mm. I mean, I. You look at that Premier League table. I mean, like I was saying before, I think Arsenal can beat Rangers. That's not like Mm. a, Ooh, Arsenal. And I didn't think Arsenal could beat 13 of the other teams in the league. So they're instantly in the bottom five. And I mean, Brighton play a brand of football, which I don't think, I think only city are the only other team that is so rigid in their structure because Brighton love to play possession football. Um, yeah. So that's why I said I probably wouldn't put them. I'd probably put them below Brighton, but they they probably finish sixteenth. Yeah. In, in a Premier League season, and for Celtic, up to this season, they probably would finish above Brighton. Uh, but yeah, mm. now now I'd say they're mm-hmm. the, the, you know they're probably sitting in that eighteenth position. I, yeah. I, I don't think Scottish football. As a scratch on the Premier League. You know what I mean? If they were to ever merge them, <coughs> those two clubs would very quickly turn into um, a championship team. You know, they'd be battling half yeah, for playoffs every year. But yeah, so my we is anyway.
0: absolutely brutal. Um, right, we should probably move on to Shock of the Week because we are getting. We've, 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 we've talked a lot. We've we talked
1: are. a lot. We, we talked about this, up probably up. Lampard and Liverpool. Probably about for forty-five of the one-hour thirty of the way through that we are, but I've been enjoying all the same.
0: <laughs> basically, if you're not a Chelsea fan, well, actually saying that, if you are a fan of not liking Chelsea, or, or you're a Liverpool fan, then listen. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, then. Uh, well, that's there basically are the fans available.
1: Then, uh, Chelsea have no fans. the trick. That's the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, that was awesome. um,
0: right, shock of the week. Um, my first one is Alex Albon. Uh, I found this out today. is going to be racing in DTM.
1: Yeah, you would have to tell me which, what that is, because I'm going to... Now, look.
0: I'm pretty sure... Let me have a look. I'm pretty sure it's like German touring car racing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which is...
1: To be fair, what else is he going to do? Because it doesn't seem that a reserve driver ever gets to drive the chance to actually drive a car. No, no
0: that's true. Stoffel <laughs> van Doren was right, just like, oh, am
1: I going to drive a Mercedes? Oh, no, Russell is. Do I get to have the, the, mate D- of the Williams?
0: No. <laughs> DTM, deutsch touring wagen masters oh, Of it's course. touring car series. Yeah, so it's touring car, basically. Um, I guess it's a bit of a weird one, because generally the way th- these things go with sport is... Uh, sorry, not with sport, with Formula 1 is that Unless you're someone like Alonso, when you leave, that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, Now, Albon... So, I'll dissect it a little bit more. Albon is still going to be one of Red Bull's kind of reserve drivers, but when he's not needed for that, then he's going to be racing in DTM alongside somebody else. Uh, So, he's not going, going. If he does well,
1: if he does well in this DTM, whatever it is... mm. would he just stay there? Because you see the guys who well, jump over to the Formula E, and they do well, mm. and obviously the Formula 1 teams don't actually want them back, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look like any of them are ever going to leave it because it's like, well, Formula E could take off, and, you know, yeah. you're basically the Michael Schumacher of it at this stage if you win two or three, because it's a new thing. No one's ever won anything in it. So, yeah. so you know, it's, it's probably worth them sticking around what they're doing. As long as you're driving somewhere, I mean... The F1's probably the most volatile place to drive because, you know, one bad season you're out. But, you know, yeah, no one's kicking you out of a Formula E team because they're pretty grateful that you're even driving in it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> there we are. Um, right, what was your shock of the
1: week? Uh, my shock of the week is that yesterday, in probably one of the worst acts of sportsmanship I'd ever seen, but <laughs> but the Eagles... The Philadelphia Eagles, who were already eliminated from playoff contention, were playing the Washington football team. The Washington football team needed to win to get into the playoffs. And the New York Giants were hoping the Eagles could beat the Washington football team. Because if they did, that would mean they got into the playoffs. And it was close. It was 17-14 in Washington's favor. And the Eagles quarterback was doing just fine. And then Eagles coach, Doug Peterson, decided, you know what, I'm going to bench him for the remainder of this game. And I'm going to play this completely unknown quarterback who's never going to quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, probably ever. Uh, And they went, yeah, I'm just going to bench him for him and basically just tanked the rest of the game meaning the Washington football team sort of just walked away with it and won the game. And the Giants just missed out on playoff football purely because the Eagles coach was like, yeah, I don't really care. I'd rather lose the game because I get a better draft pick. And it was like, nobody goes out there to play to lose except the Philadelphia Eagles. They literally went out there, even though the players wouldn't say it, the coach went out there with a the mindset of, well, if we... You know, and that's just, uh Well, I, I can't imagine a scenario where he actually would have kept the starting quarterback in because, mm. I mean, the only situation where you usually you a bench your quarterback if they're playing badly or if you're winning by so many, it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, this is yeah. a tight game. This is the one you keep him in for. It's a rookie quarterback yeah. anyway. And he went, yeah, we'll just get rid of him and put it unknown because I want to lose the game. It's like, gosh, it was just disgusting.
0: <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Right, on that note... Um, NFL, the weekend's results. Um, let's begin the rundown.
1: Yeah. So the Ravens beat the Bengals. That meant yeah. they were in to the playoffs. They clinched yep. the number five seed. That was them okay. down and dusted. That means they will yeah. play the winner of the AFC South in the playoffs. The winner of the AFC South was the Titans because they beat the Texans. Um Okay. So that meant they clinched the fourth seed, and that was yeah. the end of that. The two and three seed were wrapped up because the Bills and the Steelers both won. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, only the Bills won, but it didn't matter anyway because the Steelers probably... Well, they had to hope the Bills lost to do it. And, well, the Bills absolutely dominated um, the Dolphins 56-26. Which and is the why are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> but to be fair, the Dolphins had the easiest... Um, Way to get into the playoffs because even if they lost every single other team needed to win for them to miss out right um, so they were probably the odds on favorite to make it um but they didn't because every other team did win their <laughs> game <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Colts love it the Colts beat the Jags to get the seventh seed, almost getting yep. the fourth seed um because they were they were up against the Titans kind of to win it, but the Titans won, so that didn't matter. Um, and the Browns somehow beat the Steelers. Um, I think the Steelers were playing their backup quarterbacks. That was kind of why that happened. Um, so mm. the Browns managed to get in. Despite it, was looking like they were going to do a classically Browns thing, and despite being at one stage 91% chance of making it in, were almost going to miss out. Um, mm. They didn't. So, so, yeah, the I mean, the playoffs to the AFC are now... And The Chiefs get the bye, so they'll play the lowest remaining team after this next round of games. Mm-hmm. Um, Titans play the Ravens. That's probably the tightest game of the lot. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Don't be surprised to see the Ravens win that, even though they... I think, think they had a worse division and overall record than the t- uh, Titans. Um, they've got the mm-hmm. Bills against the Colts. I'd love to see the Colts win that game. Because not only be does wrong. it... Not just that, but also because the Colts are the seven seed. So if right. the Colts win, automatically they will play the Chiefs. And I 100% back the Chiefs to beat the Colts. So yeah. I kind of want them to do that. And then you've got the Browns against the Steelers, which is which is great fun because those teams are so tightly matched, but the Browns always yeah. seem to lose that it's almost a little bit comedic. <laughs> um, comedic. Then in the NFC... As we mentioned before, the NFC East, the Giants beat the Cowboys, meaning that the Washington football team had to be the Eagles if they were to win the East, which they did. did. So the Washington football team gets the fourth seed over there. The Packers. What
0: was what was the Washington football team's record? Out of interest.
1: A seven and nine. So they were a losing team. That's shocking. (laughs)
0: Lovely. There's no chance a
1: team should get into the playoffs with a losing record, but. That's the NFL for you.
0: That, 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 that's, a, that's another story.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, Packers beat the Bears. That meant the Packers claimed the one seed. So it meant the Saints mm-hmm. and the Seahawks games didn't matter. They got the two and yeah. the three seeds. Um, the Rams played the Cardinals. Now, the Bears had one more hope to get in. And it was that the Rams could beat the Cardinals. And if the Rams beat the Cardinals, the Bears would make it in as the seven seed. Um, right. And that happened. The Cardinals missed oh, okay. out on the playoffs because the Rams beat them. Um, the Rams claimed the sixth seed. The fifth seed was already wrapped up because Tampa Bay had already wrapped that up yeah, yeah. about two weeks ago, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, so it was a bit simpler over in the NFC, and that was that. So now you've got the Washington football team playing Tampa Bay this uh, in the wild card. And I think everyone expects Tampa Bay to win that. Yeah. You've got the Saints playing the Bears. And
0: surely um, you'd back the Saints for that yeah,
1: one. I can't see anyone other than the Saints winning that. And then you've no. got the Seahawks against the Rams. That's which, a tricky one. That's amazing. Because I mean the Seahawks beat the Rams, which is why the Seahawks um are they? Yeah, they're the home team. Um and it they were such a tightly matched game. But to be fair, the Rams are down a quarterback. Their quarterback's got broken mm. thumbs, so it wouldn't be surprised to see the Seahawks win there either. Yeah. So yeah. It, and then Green Bay's got the bye week. So yeah. who knows what happens there. They'll just play the lowest yeah. ranked team, which at this stage probably is going to be Tampa Bay. That's a yeah, I game. mean, the Tampa Bay w- pretty much dominated Green Bay earlier in the season, beaten by about 30 points. But no one ever mentions <laughs> that because it's not in uh, Aaron Rodgers' favour to say that. And everybody wants oh. Aaron Rodgers to win the uh, MVP for some reason.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean... It's it's an interesting one. Look at those in there's some pretty tasty matchups there to be fair. Like you said, the Ravens Titans is uh, that's a pretty meaty one uh,
1: in to in AFC. None of them scream flashy game because they are just so many run heavy teams in this that it's yeah. not great entertainment to watch unless you're really interested as to what's going on. But they just ground it out. It's proper mm. NFL there where two teams just run at mm.
0: each other. And to be honest with you, the Bills Colts is looking pretty tasty as well, to be yeah. honest. Colts. Um,
1: the Colts seem to be a team that found form. And I don't know if the flame's starting to flicker because they are still a genuinely good team, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they've quite got... Like The Bills just do look like a team reborn. I still think the Chiefs will beat them if it comes to it. But the thing is, the Ravens look like a team that could never be beaten last season and they went out mm. in the first round to the lowest-ranked team. So yeah. who knows? Who knows what will happen?
0: Who knows? Um, yeah, and I mean, so you've got that on the AFC and then the NFC, you've got... I mean, you'd assume the Buccaneers would win, wouldn't you? Isn't that should yeah. be fairly... And I think I'd,
1: I'd love to see Tampa Bay beat the Packers because...
0: Yeah, I would.
1: It would just be such a ironic set of circumstances that Green Bay, who... They've had such an easy schedule, I think, and... <laughs> Not not like ridiculously, but every good team they've played, they've kind of lost to. So, mm. you know what I mean. To see, I mean, Tampa Bay demolished them earlier in the season. So mm. it would just be a great turn for the books, where the number one seed goes out against a team, and they already you know they'd already lost to them once, and it's like oh, mm. this could be funny.
0: So assuming that you you'd have the, the Buccaneers winning over the uh, over the Washington football team, you'd have the Saints beating the Bears. And you probably have the Seahawks beating the Rams. Who's the lowest seed? Are those then uh, Tampa Bay? So then, oh, wow. Okay, Be- because Tampa
1: Bay are a wild card team. Like yeah.
0: e- even if
1: um, the Washington Football Team won, let's say the Rams won, even though they've got mm-hmm. a better record than Washington, they're still a lower yeah. seed by yeah, virtue yeah, yeah. of division winners always getting a little bit of um, kudos, almost like yeah, you guys. Can. Wow. The home games. So,
0: it's an interesting looking one. It's looking very meaty. It's looking meaty for the playoffs. Very, uh, very... So, when is that next weekend that the playoffs are? Yeah. It's re- wow. It's, it just comes it's coming it up is. quick, isn't it? You get to week
1: 14 and you're like, oh, playoff football's around the corner.
0: I mean, the Chiefs have to win three
1: more games and they win the Super Bowl.
0: Wow. That's
1: crazy to think. I mean, I'm just going to check it out in my mind now. I think they'll probably end up playing... Either well probably the Ravens. And that's not that's, a nice game. that's not nice. I hope we win that. And if we do win that, they're gonna have to play probably the Bills. And that's not a nice game. <laughs> and if we do win that, you are probably playing either Tampa Bay, the Saints. Yeah, i probably say the Saints are gonna be the Seahawks. I'm probably gonna say that. So okay. it would be Saints versus Tampa Bay for the NFC Championship. i mm. probably gonna be the Saints. For the first time in ages, because they've been trying to get there, they keep failing at the last hurdle. But Chiefs yeah. against Saints in the Super Bowl—that could be tasty. Mm. And the Chiefs have already beaten the Saints, so you know we're going to run it back. We are. We're going to win our Flex. Super Bowl in a row. Not Ugh. been done since two thousand <laughs> and something. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, are we done with NFL talk? Or if there's there's one more bit on the notes here that you've put
1: I about have.
0: the uh, the Chiefs' dominance. Yeah. So. Patrick Mahomes,
1: Mm -hmm. he wasn't the MVP favorite at the beginning of the season. Russell Wilson was. Then everyone realized Russell Wilson is good, but he can't compete with Mahomes for what Mahomes does on a weekly occurrence. Because what Mahomes does is incredibly spectacular, almost in the same vein as a Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Now, Michael Jordan only got five MVP titles in his career, Mm -hmm. despite playing for 15 seasons. And... Patrick Mahomes is no longer the odds-on favourite for the MVP. It is now Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. And, Mm -hmm. wow, Aaron Rodgers has the best group of guys in front of him, best offensive line, that is. So he has Mm -hmm. all the time in the world to throw the ball. No one's pressuring him. And he's not got bad wide receivers. He's got one insane Mm -hmm. one uh, and then a couple of other decent guys. But he's also got a really Mm -hmm. good running game. Now the Chiefs have a rubbish offensive line so Mahomes is always pressured.
0: Yeah, they've he's always always having to back pat, like yeah. back and um, backtrack Mahomes. He's always got, having to
1: move. They've got no running game because it just doesn't seem they never seem to get more than 100 yards running in a game. And no. his wide receivers are very good to be fair, but there's, there's mm. a lot more that Mahomes has to do because you can't just have fast guys running around and him just fling a ball. Mm. Because they're not going to have enough time to get separation by the time he's getting pressured. Surely mm. Mahomes has got to win the... M- I, I think Mahomes is the MVP. And I think people just become a little bit numb to it because of how good he is. But, um, yeah, that was just like a passing mm. comment I wanted to put. I wanted to put that Mahomes should
0: win the MVP. Mm. Um, I and mean, people it, are just numb to it. Yeah, I mean, could it be a, a factor that he's fallen foul to his own... Yeah. High he standards so because so sensational because, the first season. Yeah,
1: Everyone's like, oh, he...
0: Uh, well, and it's almost like you just expect it from Mahomes now because he's so consistently good. It's almost like it, in a weird way because he's so good, it doesn't stand out. Yeah, yeah. because you just expect it.
1: Um, he dominated teams earlier in the season before teams yeah. went out of form, like the Texans. He you know, played opening night; it was a decent team back yeah. then. We played yeah. the Ravens before they went for their little mid-season flop. He yeah. played. He played the Patriots, and to be fair, he didn't have the best of games. But the thing no. is, he got he got to the week sixteen. And he had a record of 14 and 1. They finished at 14 yeah. and 2, but they rested all their guys. It's like, well, Aaron Rodgers was 12 and 3. And it's like, well, you can't hold it against Mahomes that he didn't play the last week of the season. So they're not, you know what I mean? It looks bad on him for the yeah. MVP. And it's well, like, I'm- he's a victim of his own success. It's like, well, he's, dom- he's made sure that the Chiefs don't lose on so many occasions. You think against yeah. the Chargers, he came all the way back from like, quite yeah. a deficit to go on and win that game. And it's like, well, because well, and it the,
0: was a game. What game is it? Not not this weekend, but who did we play last weekend? The Chiefs, the Falcons. So the Falcons.
1: Yeah, we played the Falcons and narrowly won.
0: Yeah, that was it. And like, I'm not being I'm not being funny. He basically just won the game.
1: Yeah, he just started flinging like, the ball around. It was like, yeah, just stop running the ball and let's actually win mm-hmm. this game, eh? And that's yeah. what they went out and did.
0: There we are. Um, right, should we finish off with our stat of the week? Yes. Um, shall I Dumbind. I'll go first cool. um, Chelsea have three fewer points after 17 league games than they did uh, last season at this point um, whilst in the Premier League era the uh, Chelsea have never finished higher than 6th when amassing uh, a maximum of 26 points at this stage in the campaign
1: I didn't realise that, that they've never finished higher than 6th when am I asking "Wow," so so then they so basically, when they've Champions been State when football. they've
0: been at this number of points at this point in the campaign, they've never finished higher than sixth.
1: It's embarrassing.
0: It's not small, not ideal. Is it?
1: Small club mentality, that is. <laughs> um, my stat is that Arsenal, this Arsenal team that is reborn, some say, because they beat West Brom four nil. Was it? Was it four or five? Uh, yes, four. Well. Those I four think... goals they scored against West Brom uh, amount for twenty percent of all of their goals this season. So, they are spectacular as they are. Eighty percent of their goals are scored in the previous sixteen weeks, and twenty mm. percent are scored in one. So, I mean, that just shows how.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's it's
1: uh, it, 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 yeah, it's they just that's great, isn't it? Yeah, they're just polishing a bad bad team at the moment with so wow a fifth of things. their goals yeah, in one game yeah a fifth of their goals in one game and that's not to say oh they were amazing in one game it's just that it was so bad for so long and I don't think I don't think they are a new team I don't think they are a reborn team because of it
0: <laughs> and on that note <laughs> Um that is the end of this episode of the Down to the Wire podcast thank you very much for listening Um for those who regularly listen we are very grateful um me and, me and Jack are enjoying... The, well, I'm saying me and Jack. I'm certainly enjoying doing this. I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying saying it. that you are as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, if I you deal with it. you on <laughs> YouTube... Say again, sorry. You deal I, with I deal it. with it. Yeah. I, just, I just go with it. Jack pesters me all the time to do it, and I just go with it. Um, if you are listening on YouTube, why not subscribe? You'll get notifications when we um, upload a podcast. Um, we are on Spotify as well, um, under the same name, Down to the Wire podcast. But if you didn't know that, perhaps you'd prefer to listen on Spotify. A bit more convenient. Um... And we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts. Yeah. Have we got them all?
1: I think so. I haven't checked, but I think it's so. It's
0: taken nine weeks, but I finally got all of them in the in the end yeah. of the podcast. You've got them. So yeah. there we are. Um, thank you all for listening. And uh, me and Jack shall uh, see you or speak to you next week.
1: Yeah, we will. <laughs>